this is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening today with me. As always, my producer and good friend, Ari David, always a pleasure. We, um, we're talking about, uh, I want to talk about a, a funky subject today, but something that is obviously very important. I hope you take note of this. In fact, I think you will take note of this as a parent. If you are a parent, you will hopefully enjoy this segment quite a bit and make use of it. And you'll also see how it relates to a much bigger picture. All right, what am I talking about? I'm talking about parenting. Parenting uh, and what it takes to be a good parent, what it takes to raise really healthy, secure, confident, and motivated kids who are respectful of you. All right. (laughs) It may seem like uh, I'm about to read aloud a book. But you know what? I've never felt that raising kids should be complicated. I never thought that. I thought it was remarkably easy. It should be. And I remember one day, uh, the movie Parenthood came out with Steve Martin. Uh, Not not the TV series that's out now, but there was a movie called Parenthood. And Steve Martin played the father. It was very funny. Ron Howard, I think, directed the movie. And I saw it with my dad. And I'm, I must have been a teenager, a late teenager, like 19 or so. And my dad, uh, and you know, throughout this movie, you see Steve Martin going through all the trials and tribulations of being a parent and how difficult it was and how he had to balance the needs of all his kids. And, you know, that's parenthood. And at the end of the movie, my dad turns to the rest of us and says, you know, honestly, this they, they make it seem so complex and so... So hard to do. I mean, it was a funny movie, but seriously, it's, it's not that hard. And I, I thought to myself, I remember thinking to myself at the time, wow, Dad, you know, I know you're a parent, but it's, it is more complicated than that. You know, there, there are a lot, of, a lot of nuances involved and such. And now, now that I am a parent, and I'm now slightly older than he was when he made that comment to me about that movie Parenthood, I... I realize he's right. It should be easy, right? It should be. I'm not saying that parenthood in every respect is easy. Of course, there are challenges all the time. But I'm talking about the basic roles that we do should be easy in order to raise what I just said, which is respectful kids, kids who have motivation, and kids who respect others. Okay, that if you want that, there are some very simple rules to uh, advance, and then you're you're good to go. Uh, now, if your if your kid, um, you know, has a heartbreak in terms of love and all that stuff, and he discovers that he loves this one girl in the class, and he he's forlorn and such like that, yes, you have to tiptoe around that. But I'm not talking about that, or it breaks his arm or whatever. He has to deal with with uh, not going to summer camp, for example. Okay. Yes, but these are small things. The big picture is very clear, and I'm going to relay them to you because I find that they are very true. Now, before I begin, um, these five time-tested things and rules that will uh, you'll find will work beautifully for you, um, I want to give you a little bit of background, and that is when I was seven or so years old, maybe eight years old, I could barely speak English at the time. I was in summer camp, 
and uh, a bunch of the boys were kind of acting up and doing a little bit of mischievous stuff. I was never really a bad kid. Um, I kind of played by the rules more or less. And uh, I kind of picked up a rock and I threw it just randomly. And a counselor noticed that I had done that. And so he pulls me to the side, not angrily. The, the counselor probably was about 20 years old. He pulls me to the side and he says, and he, and he bends down to meet me at eye level. And he said, hey, Brooke, what do you think? Do you think that was a good thing to throw the rock or do you think it was uh, not such a great thing? And I said, uh, probably not such a, not, such, not such a good thing. And the and counselor nodded his head as he listened. Okay, okay. Um, well, what, do you, what do you say we, we don't do that again? How about that? Does that make sense? And I said, yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, sure. And uh, he said, okay, great. And he shook my hand, and uh, up he went, and he went to the other kids. And, and I, he doesn't know to this day, of course, I don't know his name or anything else. I just, I remembered it had a very powerful effect on me. It changed my life. He gave me respect, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I knew that moment, even though I didn't speak English very well, I didn't speak any language very well at that time, I knew that this was the way I was going to raise my kids. Instantly, boom. And it has informed the way I raise my kids to this very day, because I remember that, that uh, encounter so vividly to this day. So let me tell you, uh, what I think. Okay, there are, there are five basic bullet points. First, remember that the word no is a beautiful word. In fact, you should be saying no almost by default every time your kid asks you for something. That should be your default answer. Now, you can say yes very often. Um, you know, mommy, can I go play outside? Sure. But the default answer for most parents today is to try to find a way to say yes. And it's exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. There is no reason why you have to justify yourself as to why you don't want something to happen. It is perfectly okay to say no. So, example, um, the proverbial lollipop situation, right? The kid's in a candy store or passes by a candy store. Daddy, can I have a lollipop now? And most daddies, most parents will say, well, you know, we're kind of in a rush right now. Maybe we'll have a lollipop later. What do you think about that, Johnny? No, I want to have one right now. Well, I'll tell you what. If we have if lollipop now, then we won't be able to have an ice cream cone later. And I know you want the ice cream thing later. Don't you want to have the ice cream cone? No, I want to have the lollipop now. And I want the ice cream later, too. And you find yourself in this long conversation with your child about why you are not giving the lollipop. The answer is no. No explanation necessary, just no. And after a very few times, the child will say, okay. You won't get, there won't be a tantrum. Maybe the first time it'll be difficult. But the third time, guaranteed, the child will say, all right. You know, no harm in asking. That's, the, that's their attitude. But they need to understand that you'll probably say no most of the time. And so they'll ask you questions, but you'll say no, 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 no. That's it. Okay? It's a lovely word. 
Dennis Prager calls it vitamin N, but I've always been saying no more, more often than not. And then when you do say yes every once in a while, you'll say, you know, why not? You know, here we are. It's lollipop time. <laughs> Fine. They'll be so thrilled and so appreciative of it. And they'll know that it's not, it doesn't come automatically. And so they'll say, thank you, Daddy. It's a nice, it's a nice thing to, to go through. The, the no is a very powerful weapon that you have. The no makes them appreciate the yeses. That's exactly right. So that the yeses actually make them happy. It's a good way of putting it. It's, uh, it, it really is. Um, the other um, issue is about God. Your child and your whole family should be God-centered. And now, what do I mean by that? I mean that you need to establish firmly with your children. And this obviously helps if you are uh, a a devout family or you have a, a strong sense of God. But even if you don't, make it a strong part of your family. If God is the center of your family, you will see how things flow so beautifully it's as if uh, it just fits in wonderfully. It's, I don't know how to, to give a, an appropriate metaphor, but... Um, it's like oil in a motor. Yeah. Things smooth out. Yeah, everything goes to its right place, right? And, and God in the family, in the house, uh, helps make everything go to its right place. It gives perspective. So... A God-centered life where you focus on the wonders of God and how cool God is and how God has created the the universe and has created all the wonderful things and how appreciative you should be about that, really, uh, it just enables kids to, to, it spurs their imagination. It makes them understand that they are not the center of the universe, which is a very important part of their lives. It makes them appreciative about God, that, that they are below God. And finally, it also elevates the discussion with them. Kids like to talk about God. They're really curious about God. So it's a wonderful thing. It it all fits in beautifully. And uh, as I think I mentioned before, we have on Friday nights, which which is Shabbat, the beginning of Shabbat, uh, we have discussions about God. And I will ask the kids what what they think about it. Can they give me some examples, for example, about what makes humans different than animals? That's a great question to ask a kid uh, in a a religious way, but not even in a religious way. And you'll see all the incredible things that will start cropping up. And then you'll say, well, well, beyond the tail, for example, which is an obvious thing, beyond the clothing that we wear and animals don't, which is an obvious thing, beyond the talking and the standing upright and such like that, can you give me other examples? And the kids come up with these things that are accurate and they're interesting. So it engages them. A God-centered life is number two on the list. And it also does one more thing you didn't mention that I've noticed with my kids. Mm-hmm. is that You talked about how it shows them that they're not the center of the universe. Also, in addition to that, it shows them to respect other people and other of God's creations. Yes. Both physical, inanimate objects and living so that they understand other people are to be respected because those are children of God too. Yeah, if, animals if, are not are meant to be treated nicely because they're God's creatures too. Right. If we are each infinitely valuable in the eyes of God, then that means that my neighbor down the street is also infinitely valuable in the eyes of God. It gives perspective. 
and not just to treat people <clears throat> nicely, but to stand up for them and defend them when you see wrongs are happening. Let's move on to that to the third point, uh, which is uh, understanding that the most important weapon you have, weapon's too strong a word, tool, let's say the word tool, the most effective tool you have as a parent. What do you think that is? Is it, I'll give you some examples. Uh, is it fear? Is it discipline? Is it making them happy? Um, what is it? What's the number one thing that will motivate a child to do the thing that you want him to do? Well, I know the answer to this question because we've talked about it before. Okay. All right, what is it? Not disappointing you. Very close. Very close. I might be phrasing it in the wrong way. Yeah, no, it, it is. I think it's just phrasing the wrong way. The number one thing your child needs from you is your approval. That's, that's it. And, uh, and, and when you say you've disappointed me, that's simply a way of manifesting that you do not approve of something. So you, you've got it, but basically it's approval is, your, is the best tool you have. When you tell your, your child or you let your, your child know that you do not approve of his behavior in, in so many words, in so many ways, you've, you, you, you will definitely be effective. Or when you say to them that I do approve of your behavior, you've done great, do more of that. That's right, and I'm getting to that. And that's a, this is a tactic now that I'm going to – the next thing, which is kind of related to the approval thing, is a tactic that is extremely effective – and remember this phrase, everyone. It'll be easy to remember. Catch them doing something right. Okay? What does that mean? It's, it's, it'll be very obvious when I say it. Let's say you see your child sharing his marbles or his toys or whatever it is with his sibling. Okay? Grab the kid in a, in a of course, loving way and say, hey, you know, turn, turn to your child and say, hey, Johnny. Johnny, come over, can you come over here for a second? And he'll wonder, you know, what did I do wrong? You pull him to the side, pull him to another room preferably, bend down to his eye level and say, Johnny, listen, I just saw that uh, you shared your marbles with uh, your sister just now, and you, and you didn't have to. And she asked for it, and you did it anyway, and uh, you could have said no, but you said yes. And I want you to know I really liked that. That was really cool. I really respect that. And you shake his hand like a young man, and then you say, go have fun. And he will be thrilled, thrilled. You've just given him your approval. There's the magic word again, approval. And uh, he will continue to do that over and over again. So you can do many things uh, to get your child to do what you would like him to do, but there's nothing more effective then encourage him to do something positive. Catch him doing something right. Remember that phrase. And, um, and, and tr if you can, and this is purely tactical, try to pull him away from the moment so that he understands. He, he it's a psychological thing where he gains some perspective by being in a different room. If, if it's right there in front of his sister with the marbles, um, it, it can even be humiliating, and you can be who right. Knows. Yeah, you're, you're good, Johnny. I like that. Yeah. Instead, you're having a personal moment with your parent and private. Yeah, and, and you're, it's almost like you're pausing the video <laughs> to to say, "I like this moment." Now go back in, 
and the sibling didn't see anything about this. All that they know is that daddy has approved of what you've done. And it's a the great... The other sibling might even think, and this is the best, uh-oh, what did you do yeah. wrong? That's, that's possible, too. Dad was really happy. <laughs> right, right. You know, and then you've won two, two, the battle with two of them. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of uh, aligned with uh, point number three, which is approval. And how to how to about going and showing your approval. That's the way to do it. Here's another um, very important thing to remember: when your child. I mean, and by the way, you may may be wondering what age should this apply to, right? It should apply to almost every age. Um, now, obviously, everything's age appropriate. I have a two-year-old son right now. The focus on my two-year-old son is making sure that he says please and thank you all the time. I've, we've trained him so well to, to say that and to not get into uh, temper tantrums. Now, he doesn't have really temper tantrums. He does get upset from time to time. And we'll, I'll pull him to the side and I'll say, are you going to be nice? Are you going to be nice? He knows it's just a repeated phrase. I say, are you going to be nice? Are you going to be nice? And then he stops crying and then I say, okay, great. Now you're being nice. Let's walk back. And he says, okay, daddy. <laughs> it's, it's very cute, actually. But he says, um, instead of saying water, you know, I want water, we, we turn and, and say, daddy. And then he knows already now the magic phrase, daddy, can I have water, please? You know, it, the phrasing of it is very important. And sure enough, that's what he does now. It's it's really. I have a two, I'm talking about a two year old, my friends, two years old, and he and he just turned two. So this is a remarkable thing, and we did this with all of our kids. So that's that's uh, and then starting at three, um, you can talk about this this please and your thinking. Insist on it, by the way. Never let a moment go. Anytime they ask for anything, you you stop and you say, Daddy, and then they should know what the phrase really should be which is, Daddy, can I please have that ice cream? Daddy, can I please have that water? And uh, when you give them something, they should always, always be saying thank you. That's a training process. But you, you, you really need to make sure there are no exceptions because they need to get it ingrained in them. And now with my son, who's nine years old, um, anytime we're in a restaurant and the waiter brings by water even, he'll say to the waiter, thank you, thank you. Everything's thank you and please, thank you and please. It's wonderful. And everyone loves him for it. And he, the, the world embraces him. And the world makes it everything available to him. People Everything's are, available. People want to give him things. That's Later right. in life, do deals with him, give him business. It's, it's it that simple. He's a pleasure to be with. I want to be with him uh, and, and my daughter and my other son. So now here's another thing. Your children, this is point number four. Your children are far more bright than you may think. Unfortunately, this is true. <laughs> they are far more bright. They are thinking all the time. They may not know as much as you know. They don't know uh, what the American Revolution was. They don't know what conservatism means. They don't know how bad a, how President Obama is. But I digress. Uh, well, you're teaching your kids. <laughs> I do. I see. Uh, all right. I'm going to call up uh, Family Protective Service. No. I'll let the administration handle that part. Oh, you're from the commie Family Protective Services. Well, my daddy says you're a commie. <laughs> all right. We digress. But they, but they are thinking all the time. And they're thinking 
in, through their own lens of life. But one thing that they really require, and this comes from the fact that they are created in God's image, right? I mean, a baby is created in God's image just as much as an adult is. And guess what? A baby, a two-year-old, a three-year-old demands respect, requires respect just as much as an adult does. So going back to the please and thank you, and that's why I'm so hot to trot on the please and thank you, um, is uh, if, if someone were to say to you at a, at a dining table and, and say, hey, and they see that you have water, a water pitcher next to you, and they'll say, hey, Ari, give me the water. You, you, you'd bristle at that. You'd say, who the F are you to tell me what to do, right? At least that's what you're thinking, right? And if they say, Hey, um, hey, Ari, would you mind uh, handing over the water? I, I'm, gosh, I'm really thirsty. Then that's cool, right? It's the same thing. The request is the same. It's just the way it's said. And the difference is one is very respectful, acknowledging the fact that you have choices in your life. And the other one, the first one, fails to acknowledge that you have choices, that you have free will. It, it basically takes away the notion that you are created in God's image. That's the reason why it's so insulting to you. That is it, my friends. It's not just please or thank you. It's because they are disrespecting the fact that you are created in God's image. Even an atheist gets upset about that. He shouldn't be if he truly believes he's an atheist. Uh, but nevertheless, even an atheist will bristle. So what, why, do we point, why do I point this all? How do you show respect to a child? Here's how. You ask him, well... What do you think, Johnny? Right? When he asks you a question um, or uh, there's a situation happening, like, like the camp counselor I told you about, he asked me, well, what do you think, Barack? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Right? He gave me the choice to understand that what I did was wrong, throwing rocks around. <laughs> And was not hitting a target. Yeah, not hitting a target, right? So I'm joking, you know. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but what? But you got the idea. So he he gave me the choice to to think about it and to let my brain work, and I had free will and everything else. Your children have free will in their own way, not as developed as as you as an adult. That's for sure. But they have free will. Respect that the fact that they have free will, and they they want to engage. They want to go through the thinking process. So when you say, let's say a child asks you, uh, Daddy, uh, would it be all right if I have that cotton candy right now? You know, I've, more, more often than not, instead of, sometimes I'll say no right off the bat, right? But very often I might say, well, what do you think? Do you think it's a good idea to have a lot of cotton candy before dinner? What do you think? And then he'll say, mm, probably not. And I'll say, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Why do you think so, Johnny? And he'll say, because it'll fill me up before dinner and I won't have an appetite. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then he's pleased with himself that he's figured out this process. So you, you engage with him in the process of right and wrong and figuring out why right is right and why wrong is wrong. It's a delightful process to see. So um, the what do you think question you can, never, you can never go wrong with it. Um, and it's basically something you can start developing with a child once they're three, three and a half. It depends on the child, of course. But they're, they're engaging all the time. And, and obviously, it's, it's circumstance-specific. So, you know, you can't ask him, you know, what do you think? Why is E equals MC squared? I mean, you, it's, it's not a fair question. 
but in terms of um, they drop some food on the ground and they want to eat it, you know, and, and the child is five years old, and you'll say, wait, Johnny, what do you think? Do you, do you want to eat that, the, the food that just dropped on the ground? And, he, and he'll say, uh, probably not. Yeah, I think you're right. Why? Why do you think? Because it's dirty, has dirt on it, might get germs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what do you say? Let's not eat it, okay? How about you just throw it in the trash? Okay, great. Thank you, Johnny. It's a nice conversation, right? So this is the way it, it, it really does work. Um, understand, now we're going to point number five, consequences. There is nothing more significant in the understanding of how to raise children than consequences. When I say consequences, uh, very often people will think in terms of the, um, the phrase punishment, and, and, and they are related, of course. But a child needs to see that one thing leads to another. An action leads to a reaction. And that's why, by the way, I also love playing chess with my children because they see that the consequences of a bad move, right? So, um, and, and they, and, and there's nothing more delightful than to hear your child say, wow, you know, decisions that I make in life are kind of like chess. <laughs> I mean, it, there's nothing more delightful than, than hearing that. So chess is a great game, by the way, for so many reasons, but that's another story. So consequences. When your child is doing something naughty, something that you really disapprove of, Take action immediately. Um, let's say your child um, likes to burp at the dinner table, okay? And, and you're just fed up with it. You don't like it, okay? You don't have to scream. In fact, never scream at your child. There's no reason to scream. Um, simply say, Johnny, go up to your room, okay? And you'll get to the point where they'll, they, they, they won't even fuss about it. They'll say, okay, and they'll go straight up. If they do... Um, fuss about it and say, why, 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 I'll be good, I'll be good. There's only one thing you have to do. Ari, do you know what you do when the child says, why, I don't want to do that, and, and wants to fuss with, with you about that? No, what, what do you do? Well, I simply say, I, it's called a broken record. I said, I said, go up to your room. But daddy, I do better, go up to your room. Daddy, daddy, go up to your room. Daddy, but I, I'll really be good, I promise, I promise. If I say it one more time, then you're going to go up for twice as long as I said it before. Now go up to your room. And then he'll hang his head and he'll go. Okay? And you pick him up after 10 minutes and you go up to his room and, and say, all right, now Johnny, uh, the, the burping thing, you're, you're going to stop that, right? I just, it's, no one likes it. It's kind of an ugly thing to do and it's, it's, it's not, not as funny as you think it is. All right? So if you do it again, we won't have TV for a week, all right? It's just as simple as that. You're better than that, right, Johnny? Right. Okay, shake hands, shake hands. You're good to go. That's it. Johnny won't do it again. And if he does it, it'll be by accident. He'll say, oh, excuse me, I, that was by accident. And, and it'll, it will be by accident. Johnny won't want the consequences. But you need to give consequences immediately. Don't, don't let it go. Don't say, well, okay, well, there's Johnny. Because the, mo the moment you let it go is the, mo is the time that he thinks he can get away with it. Okay? So, that, so you need to be consistent, and that's part of parenting. Now, I said before I began this whole show by saying 
you know, it's actually fairly simple. And all of these five things I just mentioned, they are simple. They, they become simple if you are consistent about them, if you always remember, remember them. You said easy, not simple. That's true. Okay, there's a, there's a nuance, I suppose. Yeah. But, but they, they, you make it easy for yourself if you just remember to, to hold, on, hold the line on this. And I, I, would, I was going to give the analogy of it's like, you know, um, exercising every day and then and, and it just becomes routine at a certain point. You just get up at a certain time and you, you go for your run or your bike ride or whatever it is. But, but it's actually it's not a fair comparison because it's a lot easier than motivating yourself to go for a bike ride and such. You just make it second nature. It's not hard. You know, it's, second, it's not hard to brush your teeth every morning. It's not hard to put on a shirt. It's, just, it's second nature. It's what you do, right? Um, and likewise, with the consequences, you just do it right away. And life will be so much more pleasant for you. I, I'm, because if you don't do these things, including consequences, then you're going to have a kid who's going to give you a boatload of problems with... Uh, solutions that aren't simple or easy to come by. Right. So let me let me address some of the. We've gone through the five points. Let me address some of the uh, issues that a parent will 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 raise at, at a time. Well, Barack, you know those those ideas sound nice, but you know I really want to be able to maybe negotiate with my child a little bit, kind of help him understand and deal with his wants a little bit. You know, I've, I've had many parents who talk to me about this. And by the way, I've turned around a lot of parents. I've, I've, I'm very proud to say that I've really changed a lot of people's parenting uh, styles, and it has really improved their lives. And um, Stacy and I are actually thinking about writing a book about the matter, but we'll, we'll see where that takes us. Um, for now, I just want to say it on the podcast. What happens is when a child starts negotiating with you, please, I'll do this now, you know, and then you, do, you can give me the ice cream three days later or whatever it is. Um, you're, don't negotiate with your child. Just don't. You're the parent. What he expects from you uh, is boundaries. You are responsible for creating boundaries. And you simply say no. And when you say no, stick with it. Now, once in a blue moon, you'll find yourself saying, wow, I, really, I said no where I really should have just said yes because it was no big deal. I understand the temptation to say yes. Stick to the no. Stick to it. Now, think a little bit more. If it's so blazingly obvious that you should say yes, don't be so automatic about your no's. I wish I could give an example here, but let's say um, that there's a difference between you know, the child at a bike store. He says, can I have this bike, right? Say no. <laughs> Unless you're, you're looking specifically for a bike and, and, and he says, I want that bike. Can I please have that bike? That's fine. But if he just wants willy-nilly, I want, a, I want that bike out of the blue, you say no. But let's say that instead of the bike, he says, uh, and it's a, it's a lovely day, and um, you don't really know what to do with yourself at, at that time. And you're passing by a park with a, some nice swings and such. And he goes, Daddy, can we um, go to the park? You know, for a little bit, and you've got time to, to spare. You can say, you know, think about it for a moment, and just say yes. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's have some fun. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You've got the time to do so. 
spending time outdoors is great and everything else. So take a moment before you say no automatically. But your, your default should be no, which can be, uh, there, there can be many exceptions, but I'm simply saying default is no. Don't think your default is yes, right? In, in law, we call this the burden of proof, right? Who has the burden of proof? Do I have the burden of proof to show that there was a contract that was breached? Or do you have the burden of proof to show that there was no contract and there was, that there, there was no breach, right? I mean, that's, that, that's the way it is. So we're talking about burden of proof in, in a sense. What's the default? Is the default yes with many exceptions for no? Or is the default no with many exceptions for yes? And it should be the latter. Okay, is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, great. So um, this is the way to deal with, with kids. It, it, do not make it a struggle. If you find yourself all the time saying, I can't believe Johnny is doing this. Oh, he went with another tantrum today. Something is wrong. Okay? There should be no tantrums in your life. None. Well, let me address that a little bit. Something is wrong with you, the parent. That's right. Not the kid. Yeah. The, kids are like dogs. If you have a bad dog, it's you have a bad owner. You know what? That's if you a, have a bad kid and you think your kid's bad, look at yourself. Right. And, and if you don't like the analogy that Ari just made toward uh, dogs, well, you know what? Tough luck. Because he's right. It is just like dogs. If it, the, a child up to a certain age, of course, uh, who acts up and such is, is a reflection of bad parenting. Yeah, and I use the dog analogy because, you know, we differ on this. It's because cats are always perfect. You can't train them. They just <laughs> that's do right. Yeah, do. Okay. But, but dogs are a pet that specifically requires the boundaries to be set by the owner as a pack leader. That's right. Similar to a parent-to-child specific relationship. Right. Raising a dog, in a sense, is much easier than raising a child, right? But nevertheless, think of it that same way. Just like Ari said, uh, the, dog, the dog's behavior is a reflection of its training from its owner, from its or master. Lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Now, for children, uh, it, it's likewise the same thing. When, when a parent um, hears from another uh, adult, wow, your children are so well-behaved, uh, the, the parent should say, thank you, because it is a reflection on his rearing of the children. The children don't say, thank you for telling me I'm a good-behaved child. No, it's the parent who says that. And remember that, because it's, it's you. There should be no tantrums in your life, none. If there is, uh, then then just th there's a consequence right away to it. Um, and this or there's a physiological reason: overstimulated, overtired, or oversugared. Usually, those are the even then I don't tolerate. But again, those are usually issues on your management, and yeah. your management will be flawed. Occasionally, you will give your kid the refined sugar you shouldn't be giving them. And I, I look, I give my. You know, we're not at all, um, you know, perfectionists when it comes to eating. We we do raise our kids vegan, but that doesn't mean that uh, we have only super duper healthy foods and all organic and such like that. No, we have we do have lollipops. We do have sugar in our lives, not too much, but uh, not not to excess. But there, it is it's there. And um, I can tell you, I've never, and I'm I'm repeating this, never seen any one of my children have a tantrum. Yeah, but your kids might be different physiologically from mine. My wife is has is very sensitive to blood sugar spikes, and so we suspect our kids are. Point is, when they act out, it's always because they've had sugar. If they do act out, it's not severe act out. It's just an act out in relation to their normal behavior. Well, let me talk Thus, about this. Thus, we understand there's a 
Uh, I understand, but let me, let, me, let me tell you, let me address that, because we have, now, I said my children, not in front of me at least, have never engaged in a tantrum, but tantrum is a tantrum. Uh, now, we, I've had my children express disappointment and they've complained, oh, I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna, okay? I nipped that in the bud right away. Because, and I say to them, they already know this phrase now, so, I'll, but I'll tell you what the phrase is. I'll say, uh, Johnny, are you complaining? And they, the answer is, no, 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 no. <laughs> they know that complaining is not acceptable. Just, just utterly not acceptable. They have it. I will not accept complaining in my house. They have it pretty damn good in my house. We live in a very nice part of town. They have two parents that love them to death. Uh, neither of the parents are alcoholics. Uh, none, neither of the parents beat them. They have great grandparents. They have great siblings. They have a great school. They live in a fantastic country called America. By golly, there is nothing to complain about. Okay, that's the attitude I want to give them. God loves them. They're healthy. They're, they're beautiful children. What about the Democrats? Can't they complain about the Democrats? <laughs> that's a good point. Then they're okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the point is that there's no complaining allowed, so to speak. I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound too talismanic about it, but they, by and large, they, they know I don't like whining. Let's put it that way. So when I hear them whining, I just simply say, you know what? Go to your room. And, and that might be after a sugar rush or anything else. I don't care. They still got to control themselves. They still have to control themselves. And we have a, just a, a family, I have to tell you, that uh, I can't wait to be with my kids. Every one of them. I'm crazy about each, each, each of the three of them. I'd love to have more. Put it that way. Um, and when uh, I'll wrap this up by, by talking about a conversation that I had with some folks that I met at a restaurant and they are parents at, a, at the same school that my children are at. And they were sitting together. They were having a sort of a date night, apparently. And I was with my kids. And I turned to them and we'll just call them uh, Ted and Sally. And I say, uh, oh, Ted and Sally, so good to see you. What a nice coincidence. Uh, hey, where's, uh, where's your, little, your little man? Todd, we'll call him. Oh, Todd... Uh, Todd's a sleepaway camp right now. And I said, oh, that, that, that must be fun for Todd. And he said, are you kidding? This is the best thing. It's like such a great vacation for us. We, I couldn't be happier. And, I, and I, I just said to them, I said, what a shame. I, I miss my child so much. I can't, I can't stand being without my children. I mean, I like my date nights with my wife. I like to take a vacation with her alone. Sure. But I miss the kids terribly. And, and when we are on vacation, we talk about the, the cute stories that our kids. We enjoy our adult things. You know, we'll go out to bars. We'll see adult movies, uh, or movies that are appropriate for adults, rather. Adult movies. Uh, not that kind of adult movie. <laughs> but we'll see, you know, rated R movies, right? Uh, movies that we couldn't see with the kids. We'll do the things that, that adults can do, can do but they can't do with kids, okay? It's, you know, and, and we need a little bit of that. But... But man, we love our children. They are not at all nuisances. They are pleasures to be with. When my wife and I are on dates, all we do is talk about the kids, and then we talk about: Can we pick them up early? Can we come home early for the babysitter? Yeah, now you've got we great... their babysitter the full amount, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you can go home. They're great. They're great kids, but you do need your own time, by the way. Yeah. Okay, and, but and when we have it, just like you, all we do is talk about the kids. <laughs> That's true, but in a good way. I mean, it's it's kind of fun, but but you need to talk about other things too. Uh, let me say one final thing, and maybe this is a six point, um, and that is, 
that this is all about relationships, isn't it? Remember that your most important relationship is with God. Thank you. Your number one relationship. Well, I should say God. Or <laughs> your number one relationship is with God. Your second most important relationship is with your spouse. Okay, and it's a far second relationship, but it is still the next relationship. Then your relationship with your children. Okay, remember that. If you put your relationship with your children ahead of the relationship with your spouse, you are doomed. You will fail as a couple. You will fail as a family. You must put your relationship with your children uh, in, in somewhat of the back burner, but at least the most important thing is take care of your relationship with your spouse first. Then everything will flow beautifully from there. God, spouse, then children. Uh, we could elaborate on that a lot, but uh, frankly, I don't think we have the time to do so. But you, if you remember that, you will have a much happier life. Well, it's fairly obvious because it sets the priorities. It sets priorities, yeah. With God basically determines your conduct with your spouse. The relationship with the spouse determines the conduct with the kids, right. et cetera, et cetera. And the most important part of the whole thing is that your children see that your relationship with your spouse is more important than your relationship with them. It gives them perspective. It does not make them, it, it emphasizes once again that they are not the center of the universe. And that is a critical thing. So on the one hand, you want to show them respect. On the other hand, you also need to, to give them perspectives that they are not the center of the universe. You understand that this nice balance that we're talking about? It's all about perspective, folks. It's about remembering respect for the children, remembering perspective. This is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.